Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. So let's get going. listening to the market dominance guys with your host chris beal of connect and sell and Corey frank of uncommon pro when teaching the golf swing the way i do it anyway and i've had a lot of success with this in 15 minutes somebody goes from never having swung a golf club to hitting little 100 yard right to left seven irons with one hand and the the reason that they can do that is that the impediment is their desire to make the club move fast and get the ball the way they, their mind tells them it needs to happen. And by taking the ability to execute on that desire away, they have a chance of feeling what it's really like to swing a golf club or have a golf club swing them. And I think in sales, the way we do this is pretty simple. One is the script. The script is really important because it gives us a chance to practice our way into the emotional state that we need to be in and to do it without the scary part there, which is the other person. So a huge mistake that I see sales leaders make is that they think that the sales conversation is a contest between the seller and the buyer. And this is actually fairly commonly taught that buyers are liars and all these kinds of things are out there as concepts that folks have been told as though what you're in is a little war with the buyer and when you win, they buy. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Modern sales is the opposite. It's a collaborative exercise where you start with search. You're searching for somebody who potentially has the ability to get value from what you do or what you provide. So that's all that cold calling and prospecting stuff as a form of search. And the search results, when you do a Google search, right, the search results that come up on the first page are the ones you might interact with. The interaction equivalent is the discovery call. And the discovery call's purpose, just like when you click through a link on a Google query, isn't to say, I'm going to buy. You don't do a query like I did a query yesterday trying to find a particular hotel up in Birch Bay that happens to be associated with the timeshare that I I own, right? I wasn't simply going to click through and buy. I was going to click through and check to see if the dates they had available matched up with what I'd like to do in the first week of September. Mm-hmm. The idea that I need to qualify beyond the fact that they showed up on the first page of the search is kind of ridiculous, right? I need to look into things a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And it's good that I've practiced searching and good that I practiced clicking. I didn't have to spend 15 minutes girding up my loins to be able to click on a link. I know that it's pretty safe. Right? Mm-hmm. So I've got to practice the safe stuff in a way that gives me a chance of succeeding in the micro, in the moment. And then I need a teacher to say, hey, that was good, even when the result isn't there. And that's the real key. It's the key to the golf swing, it's the key to anything. If you wanna learn something complex, you need a teacher to be there to tell you when it's working before it's producing results. So there's two huge errors that people make in managing sales teams. And if they just stopped them, life would be much better for everybody. One is role playing. Role playing is not designed to get you calm and confident. It's a gotcha situation. We're going to role play and we're going to show where we can trip you up, where you should have done this, where you should have done that, where don't do this, don't do that. All that does is gets you all knotted up 
So when you go into the real conversation, your mind's going, should I have done this? Should I have done that? I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. And then there you go. Water's on the left. You've hooked another shot out of bounds, right? right. And then the other thing that needs to happen is in the practice, replace role play with practice, just practice, just rehearsal. Rehearsal is needed in order to make the sounds come out of you automatically so that you're free to express the underlying emotion. And the underlying emotion is actually curiosity. Mm -hmm. So you're curious. Can I have 27 seconds to tell you why I called? So you are showing that you're competent to solve a problem this person has right now. That is you, the invisible stranger, the scary, scary beast in the dark. But you're also saying it in a playful, curious tone. Notice how quickly curiosity enters in the relationship. In the second sentence, it enters into the relationship. So if you're curious, you're naturally relaxed. You're not, when you're curious, you're waiting for information to come through for, to you. You're, you stimulate it and then, and then you're waiting. It's like waiting for the golf swing, waiting for the club to get down, to get to the top before it comes back around. You just have to be relaxed in order to do that. You get relaxed by practicing the thing that works, not the thing that doesn't work. And you need a teacher to tell you, hey, that was good, not, oh, look at that, you whiffed it. It's like in the golf swing, it's like half an inch lower, that thing would have been beautiful. You did everything right. Let's do it again. As an instructor, as a mentor, as a teacher, you need to be able to give guidance. And as a student, you need to have a teacher that can tell you that something is working even when you may not feel that it's working in the wild just yet. Yes. And when you're listening to the conversation, so the way we run our flight school is like this. So we run this thing at Connect and Soul called Flight School. And Flight School takes pretty much any human being and turns them into a top 5% in the world cold caller and does it in four sessions of two hours each. So step zero is to develop the message. And we've been through all of that, walking into the bar, sit to the left of the person who's your ideal customer and asking them, how's your day? We listen to how their day went. We come up with three things out of that. One of them is, we'll call it economic. One of them is emotional. And one of them is strategic. We put them in a very simple sentence. I believe we've discovered a breakthrough that completely eliminates the bad thing, the bad thing, and the other bad thing. Or maybe it's got some other variations in it. And then we move forward and we avoid a couple of things there. Okay, all that's, that's great. We've got to have that. Now, how do we become great at it? Well, first, we've got to get great at the first seven seconds. It's like a prize fight. If I go into the ring and I get knocked out in the first seven seconds, it really doesn't matter how good I would have been, right? <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Flat on my back on the canvas is the same. And almost every cold call is lost in the first seven seconds. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's lost in the first seven seconds is the voice doesn't support the concepts that are in the script. The idea, the flow of emotions in the script are not supported by the voice. So I play a little bit of piano, as you might know, and many people think I'm much, much better than I am. I'm actually a very poor piano player. I would rank myself among people who play the piano regularly in the bottom 20% easily, but I'm quite capable of playing freely the emotions that I feel in any piece. And then what did I do to do that? I took my left hand out of the equation so I don't have any mechanics associated with it. And I simplified things so I can express myself in the melody of my right hand. It's actually the same as the golf swing. Take, mm. take the part that doesn't work so well out, do the part that does work, and then get encouragement for the stuff that is working before it's producing results. Right? So in flight school, what we do is you do a two-hour session with Connect and Sell. So that's like 15 to 20 conversations. 
all hot, all live, all live fire. In those conversations, there's going to be a coach listening to you. And you're going to get coached, not after every one, but after most of them. In session one, you get coached only on the first seven seconds because that's the important part. That is, it's, it's what you need to get before you can go on. And then afterwards, there's a listening session. We go around the classroom and everybody gets to listen to their best. Why do we listen to their best? Because you want to know what you did right. And you want the encouragement from the teacher that says, yeah, that was great. Don't worry that they hung up. The guy hung up. So what? Yeah. The lady sounded pissed. So what? Yeah. You sounded perfect. Let's listen to your voice again. Listen to that playful curious. Listen to your voice go up twice. Sure. Right? That was great. Then in the second session, we do what we call the breakthrough part. So we call it flight school because the first session, the first two hours is takeoff. And then there's free flight. We're in the middle of it. We're going somewhere, right? And it's the, I believe we've discovered a breakthrough that completely eliminates whatever it is. And it's their message. Mm-hmm. And they've had time to practice it because, mm-hmm. and rehearse it. And again, can they get the tone right? I believe we've discovered a breakthrough. Does the breakthrough sound like the hero in the hero's journey? Do they believe the breakthrough is an actor, is doing something? Does the breakthrough slay the three dragons in their little story? Does it sound like a story or does it sound like a pitch? Coaching is on that. That's session number two. Session number three, we've got to land the airplane, right? It's flight school. We've got to learn how to get it back on the ground. So we have to ask for the meeting. It's very simple, the way to ask for the meeting. We just say, the reason I reached out to you today was to get 15 minutes on your calendar to share this breakthrough with you. Yeah, I haven't rehearsed it recently. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get that part right. You've got to land the plane. And then you've got to deal with turbulence, the, yep. the objections. Yep. They're inevitable. How do you handle the tell me more objection? The Venus flytrap, what do you do? You've got to practice that. The most awkward of handles in the world and the most honest, which mm-hmm. is we've learned the hard way that an ambush conversation like this just isn't a fair setting to talk about something this important. You a morning person? That's your Wednesday. Getting that stuff right is a matter of practicing with the teacher paying attention and getting encouraged when you do it right, getting feedback that says you did it right, especially when it didn't deliver results. And then occasionally you'll hook one up with results and go, see, that works too. But there is an element of faith in all of this. And the element of faith is you actually have got to go in to learning to be great at anything, believing in your teacher. If you believe you're the teacher, then the teacher's not the teacher. Somebody's got to be the teacher. It's just the way it is. And so in the same way that we shouldn't bring our ideas too deeply into discovery, we shouldn't bring our ideas too deeply into learning something as delicate and chilling as cold calling. It's like when I learned to drive a race car, Mm -hmm. I got in that car and I tried to forget everything I knew about driving and just let my eyes take me where I was going to go. And instead of responding to the screaming of the guy in the right seat, (laughs) telling me what to do, responding like, don't tell me what to do. I really tried to just do what he said. Brake hard, brake hard, brake hard meant stomp on the brake as hard as I can. And then his feedback was great. He was a young guy and he gave me incredible feedback. So the, the first time I did it right, which was on the third lap, turn one, we're going in and finally I wait long enough and I break hard enough. And guess what? We kind of spin out a little bit. We don't quite lose the car, but almost lose the car. And I'm, intuitive? It's, a lot it's, of it's completely, oh, the way race cars work, it's like 
So, but, there's fight or, but there's the fight or flight. You want to disavow everything he's saying because you, who are a residential driver driving 11.2 miles over the speed limit, right, who's been doing this since 15, 16 years old, you want to resist that feedback. So how do you, how do you trust that teacher, right, even though you're, you're in the same environment you thought you were in before at driving to the racetrack, but now everything is accelerated, you know yeah, how to have a conversation as a, as a person. How is it different than having a conversation as a salesperson? We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and Sell, welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Give your fingers a rest with Connect and Sell's patented technology. You'll load your best sales folks up with eight to ten times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing how many tears they shed while watching the end of Toy Story, kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. <laughs> With Corey and Chris. That's really the equivalent. It's exactly the equivalent. And it's up to the student to come with an open mind. It's up to the teacher to coach the actions or elements of performance that next can lead to success without getting ahead of themselves, without coaching the next part. Don't teach the part after this part, just teach this part. And just paying attention to whether it was done correctly, not the result. It's really quite simple when you come right down to it. And in sales, we have this conceit, and I see it all the time out there on LinkedIn, where some, you know, for instance, I'll post some numbers, right? You know how I am. I like to post the numbers about number dials, which are done for the reps and the number of conversations and the number of meetings, which are the wins and, and all that good stuff. There will often be somebody who comes in and says, yeah, but what about the revenue? What about the closed one? Well, so what, right? Unless we get the meetings, there's not going to be any closed one. I mean, it's, it is, these are all small percentages mostly working against us. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to win a lot of races in that Ferrari. Probably take me 20 years and having nobody show up for me to win one. But I can learn that I really do go all the way up to that cone before I break. And I really do break as hard as I physically compress on that pedal. And I really do just aim the car at the apex. And I know it feels really weird, but I do it. And my instructor was great. When I came out of almost losing the car and and turn one on lap three, there was a straightaway. And so we had a little bit of time. And he ignored the fact that I forgot to shift it to six gear on the straightaway. He just ignored that, which would have been a natural thing for him to pay attention to. That's the next thing. What he said was, great job. That's what he said. Great job. And I thought, okay, I did that right. And then the next time, I did it right but with a little more awareness of this other little piece he told me, which was kind of be a little bit more gentle as I changed the direction of the car going to the apex of the turn. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a sort of a thing that there's a little physics in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think our sales managers really, really need to be great teachers. We talk about coaching all the time. And I think coaching is correct. I think that's what we're really doing. But I'll make this warning. A lot of people in sales came out of the world of athletics. 
And there's two elements of coaching. There's a teaching element, learning to execute, the thing you need to execute to perform. Mm -hmm. And then there is sort of an energy motivation level of coaching, getting folks up, keeping them up, keeping their spirits up and all that. And I think that's the one people remember having been coached and they think their job as a coach is to go all rah-rah or to go all yell at you, to go all Vince Lombardi, to say winning, <laughs> winning is, isn't ever, it's the only thing, whatever he said, right? And it, it's just not the case. I mean, when you're coaching NFL players, you can say that they're all really, really good. Every one of them already knows how to execute all of the moves, do all that stuff. But guess what? They still get taught. They get taught. Your Tom Brady actually gets feedback on technique, not just whether he was in a good frame of mind, whether he was uh, hopped up on excitement, on adrenaline or whatever. And I think that coaching often sounds like, let's do some rah-rah. Rah-rah is of such little value in sales. It's just of such little value, including celebrating the wins. There are certain personality types that need to do that. Go ahead, let them do it, right? Introverts who make the best sellers tend not to be encouraged or they like a private rah-rah. If you're the leader of a company and you have an introverted salesperson, especially at the top of the funnel, recognize their good day privately at the end of the day. Mm. Do that. That's great. So I think we had talked uh, when I was in the uh, Uber and we were chatting about something else the other day about reps in today's generation on this career cycle to eventually become CEOs. And what is the ideal career track, right, to be CEO, development program, workout regimen, if you will, over the years to be a next generation CEO? And similar to what I've heard you say here in the last 30 minutes or so, Chris, is that if you have a great teacher as a rep, you are naturally going to learn how to teach from your teacher, which will contribute to your skills as a great CEO. You are going to learn how to evoke a curious nature in a conversation, which as a CEO, as you know, you clearly need. You're going to have empathy, which we had talked about in several episodes already, and you're going to learn presentation skills, but we're also going to learn metrics. And you had said something to me the other day that the CEOs of today can't just sit at the top of the food chain. They have to get intimate with the inner workings of every silo of their business. And it seems to me that what we're talking about here is that if you have a solid rep BDR development program as an organization, you are setting your organization up for much success that will trickle into every department or trickle up, if you will, if you want to use a hierarchical example, your SDR BDR team will trickle up a level of success and it should not be an afterthought. It should not be a place where they get residual marketing or sales training dollars. It should be at the front lines and be treated as such because of, I think, the reciprocal effect of doing that really, really well from not just a numbers perspective, of course, but from a leadership development perspective throughout that organization. I think this is a really big deal. First of all, there's two ideas in here. One is what is a modern and future CEO like? And they've got to have two characteristics big time. One is they have to be systems thinkers. They have to be able to see a system as a whole and understand how that system interacts with its environment. When you run a company, a company is a system. And it's a system that at that moment is designed in order to help some folks in B2B, some companies. 
do things more cheaply or do things more effectively or conveniently than they can do for themselves. So that's what a firm is. That's why we make companies. We specialize in something that others might need, but they don't need it to the degree of becoming it. So we get to be it and concentrate that specialization. And we create this system called a company. And if you don't know how a system is put together on the inside and how it works, it's very, very hard to reason about where it could go next. And in particular, where it might be breaking down. The systems break down easily and small things inside of systems can become big things. We had a small thing recently in our system at Connect and Cell. Unfortunately, we test extensively on ourselves as guinea pigs before we let anything out in the wild. Mm -hmm. And the very small thing that we had changed created a very small delay in not transferring to the user of Connect and Cell, but transferring to the agent who is navigating the file. And that very small delay caused a misunderstanding, uh, kind of at a statistical level, by agents of what they were hearing in a voicemail greeting and whether it really belonged to that person. Really? And that caused a mismarking of some of the phone numbers that we were calling as being main numbers instead of direct numbers. And that caused a mis-execution. So we polluted our own data, but we didn't intend to. We did everything as designed, right? And in a lot of companies, I would assure you that a quarter second delay causing what looks on the surface like, oh my God, where'd our direct numbers go, would have created a, a witch hunt to go out and find who's responsible for the bad data. And the bad data actually grew like scum in a pond. Nobody was responsible <laughs> for it. We just let the temperature of the pond get half a degree too warm and it grew scum, you know, and, and we, we caught it in a, a day and fixed it and had, went back and fixed the data and did all that. But that's but the CBO. But I think it, you caught it because you just happened in the course of your day as a CEO. One of the things that you do is you just look almost like a beautiful mind. You look at a hundred different KPIs and metrics and maybe it just takes a couple of seconds. Yeah, it's on track. Yeah, that's on track. And you said that you noticed something a little bit peculiar, which led to a deeper dive, a deeper dive, a deeper dive. And that's how you found it from the systems type thinking. So you work from backwards up because you knew what the metrics were going to be. And when they're off slightly, that's where it's time to dive in. Exactly. And I didn't diagnose the, what's going on under the covers, but I could smell something was going on under the covers. And it was in one set of numbers. And it was simply the order of the outcomes. Like the most popular outcome is voicemail reached after navigation. The second most popular is voicemail reached direct number. Call a direct number, reach voicemail. Third is gatekeeper says target not available. The number two and number three were flipped. That was it. And they were flipped day after day after day, starting on a particular day. To me, as a systems kind of person, I look at that and go, the odds of that happening spontaneously, statistically, are zero, right? Mm -hmm. So as a CEO, you also have to understand the nature of probability and all that. Then there's this other job, which is you got to talk to people and mainly listen to them and kind of move things ahead, but without presuming that you know all the answers. And I believe the best place to learn that is as a cold caller. So I look at cold calling like what you guys are doing at Youngblood Works as truly finishing school for business graduates where they've learned a whole bunch of things, maybe even learned some things about teaching from their best professor. Why do we go to college? Because one of our professors will be so good, we'll learn about teaching and maybe we'll do some of that ourselves later in life. It's not the content, it's mm -hmm. the actual experience of being taught effectively. 
And right. if you go to a college, there's enough teachers. Eventually, one of them is going to be good enough that you'll go, right, oh, right, right. that worked for me, right? And then you might want to learn more about that. But I think what you guys are doing at Youngblood Works, where you're taking these very, very talented people, high ambition folks who are coming out of a program or still in a program interested in business, probably have CEO in their mind somewhere in their future. And the natural finishing school back in in Victorian times, you had to learn how to dance certain dances or you were toast in society, right? In Victorian England, if you couldn't dance these dances, I mean, you couldn't go, you, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't hold conversations with people because you had to do it out on the dance floor, right? And so how do you learn the dances of the future, which happen in conversations? Well, you got to go to a dancing master and you got to do it on the real ballroom floor. Yeah. And that means talking to real people with real coaching going on. Because if you take the emotions away, the fear emotions, you'll never find out if you're performing right. right? Yes. So I just see that there's a way of looking at the SDR, BDR role that folks are not quite getting. They think they're preparing future AEs and getting them to that as fast as possible. Exactly. exactly. Makes no sense. They yes. should be looking at this as the best way to bring anybody into their organization even engineers, is to have them come in and sit in the seat. Anybody can learn the script. Anybody can learn to believe in the potential value of the meeting for the human being they're talking with, regardless of outcome. Anybody can get their voice to go up and down in the right places. Anybody can be coached to silence. These things are very straightforward, right? They just have to believe it's worth their while. Well, do you want to be a CEO someday, including a CEO of your own life? Learn to have conversations with invisible strangers. It well, will change like, your uh, life. Uh, I, I know a lot of uh, Marines in uh, my life, and I work with some, and my son is becoming one. And the John Darby, who works with me at Youngblood, had said, listen, as a Marine veteran, they, you're taught that whether you're a cook or you're a attorney or whether you're in logistics, you are a rifleman first. A Marine is a rifleman first. And it sounds like if you're an engineer in an organization – you're a CEO, you're a VP of technology, this new world order of starting out as a biz dev, as an SDR, learning how to script from the ground up is everybody needs to learn these traits of curiosity, these traits of empathy, the systems um, backwards and forwards to be a true contributor to that organization. I know we're, uh, we're running up against the clock here for this episode, but I think that we still have a lot. I have a lot to milk from you. Certainly, I think we could cover this topic next time on the traits of a CEO. I know we've touched on it in a few episodes here. Yeah, I'm glad that we've hit this one. I think that this is sort of the big deal, that we have a lot going on in our society right now with the pandemic and all that. We have a lot of folks who are looking around and asking, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, what you're going to do is going to be limited by what you're capable of doing. And what yeah. you're capable of doing will have a lot to do with what you've learned how to do. Right? Right. You've got to go explore. And I would recommend anybody who wants to check out their future CEO-ness, go ahead and become a cold caller. But by the way, don't become a cold caller who spends all day not talking to people. It's much better to talk to 30 or 40 oh. people today. Well, fantastic. This has been another episode of the Market Dominance Guys with Corey Frank and the Sage of Sales, Chris Beal. Thank you, Chris. Until next time, keep dialing. Thanks, Corey. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. 
Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.